our series is the I Am's of Christ. The Gospel of John mentions seven I Am's of Jesus Christ. If I were to tell you I am the pastor, you would focus on pastor. When Jesus says I am, they focused on Moses. They went back to the story of Moses and the children of Israel. They focused on those two words right at the beginning, I am, which was a statement really of God, of, of divinity. Um, and so they paid a lot of attention to it when Jesus made those statements. Um, and so you're going to see the response, in fact, this morning to uh, last week we talked about I am the door, and we talked about how it really referenced the idea of the sheep gate, uh, where they would put sheep in at night. And we've already talked about I am the bread of life, and we talked about I am... Uh, the light. light. Um, this morning we're looking at uh, the one, the next one, which is really tied to the one from last week, and that's the idea that I am uh, the good shepherd. So before we get too far into it, uh, we need to talk about shepherding and sheep and all of that with regards to uh, this time in this culture. All right. So uh, let's talk about shepherds. First of all, you need to understand that in this culture, uh, there were a lot of sheep. Right? Sheep was kind of like, uh, like cattle in the Midwest or corn in the Midwest. I mean, you know, we're just kind of known for that. Uh, but um, in, the, in this culture, it was all about sheep. Uh, they used them for sacrifices. They used the wool. Uh, they would use the milk from them. They would use the meat from them. Um, the horns, uh, the ram's horns, were highly sought after. Uh, so they, 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 were, they were an animal that really the economy kind of was, was really pivotal in the economy uh, for them. Uh, the, the culture is not like our culture where, you know, if I, you know, if I ask you, you know, how many cattle you have, you know, you're going to give me a number. And if I asked you where they are, you're going to go, well, they're in this field because you have certain fields that you take them to and set them in. Um, in this culture, it wasn't like that. You might have a small little area, but in order to feed and take care of them, they would wander the countryside, right? So uh, they would, and so somebody had to be in charge of them. So usually there was a shepherd that was in charge of the sheep. Usually in a family, it was the youngest member of the family. Uh, because that, that shepherd would have to be with those sheep 24-7. And they would move them from area to area to area. And they would, they would literally, they would live with the sheep, eat with the sheep, sleep with the sheep. They were with the sheep all the time. So when you had a bunch of boys in your family, and, and again, uh, boys were an economic asset to you as a, as, in this culture. Uh, because... The more boys you had, the more land and stuff you could farm and the more animals you could have and the bigger your farm could be. You know, it's not like us. We just go buy bigger equipment and hire people. Well, they had kids the way they did it. So uh, the youngest boy then would be the shepherd until a younger boy came along and then he would be the shepherd. And they would take him out and they would kind of teach him the ropes and he would be the shepherd. Um, when a shepherd in this culture, what a shepherd would have with him is usually they had a... I want to call it a man's purse, but that's not what it was. But it was a, it was a bag with the, usually a strap on it, and they would keep stuff in it, okay? Um, and so uh, that was a pretty common thing. If they grabbed a piece of bread or something like that to eat for themselves, you know, they'd keep it in their, their, their backpack or whatever you want to call that little sack, the little satchel purse thing that they had. Uh, 
And then they would have um, a, it was called a rod. Um, it was different from the staff. A rod, think of it as a police baton. Okay, that's, that, that's really kind of what it was. It was like a police baton. And what they would do is they would use that to kind of nudge the sheep and that kind of thing. And, and, and they would use it a lot in counting the sheep. So when, you know, they could kind of go around and touch it. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. Okay, yeah, they're all, you know, it's like me. I go in at night and I count chickens, you know. I go in at one, two, three, four, five, you know, and then there's the goofy one that hides from me and, and then I got to go look, you know. Uh, but anyway, I, you know, I count chickens at night. And so they would count with their baton and they would tap on. Uh, when they got time to, in the Old Testament, there's a concept of tithing, which you take the first tenth of whatever you have and you, you, you give it to the Lord. And so when, when the time came that they would tithe, so to speak, the sheep, uh, there's, a, there's a story that w what they would do is they would take that baton and they would dip it like in, 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 think of it as paint, something like that, some kind of colored marker. And as they would do the sheep, every tenth one they would come and they would take that baton and use it to draw a line on their back. So then when they got ready to give away the sheep to the temple or whatever else, they go, okay, all the ones with the lines on them, they go, you know. Uh, but um, the, the, the baton, the, the rod was a very, very important thing that the shepherd would have, okay. Um, and then they would have a staff, and, and the staff you need to think of as a walking stick, okay. Sometimes it had a crook on it, sometimes it didn't. It was basically a walking stick where they could kind of reach out and tap and, and, and that kind of thing and, and push and nudge along. Uh, that's why in, in the psalm, Psalm 23 says, Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. You know, it was a way to kind of direct the, the sheep and help the sheep and count the sheep. And, and so those were kind of two important tools. Um, they also would usually carry um, a sling. Uh, you see this in David, okay? Uh, and a sling served a number of purposes. Usually it was just a little piece of leather with some straps on it. And um, they would use it to, to fight off animals, which you know, um, like David said. Uh, but yet, it, here's, here's another interesting use for it. They would use it to direct the sheep. Um, what they would do is, let's say, you got, let's say you're the shepherd and you've got a sheep and it starts wandering way over there and it's not supposed to be over there. You'd take and you'd put a little rock in there and you'd sling it and you'd throw it so it would go out past the sheep. The sheep would, it would scare the sheep, but the sheep would run back. So they would use it as a, as a, as a way to kind of get the sheep moving and keep the sheep out of a different direction. So this was something, again, you live with a, you're out there 24-7, you're bored, you know, let's practice, you know. And, and, and so this became a really common thing for them to be able to direct sheep, to be able to fend off enemies and those kinds of things. So you would see that, you would see that sling. They were very, very comfortable with those kind of things. Um, and then uh, you would have, uh, they would often have with them, um, think of it as a, as a flute, a little instrument. That, again, it, everything had to be small and compact to be able to, to be mobile. And uh, they, they would have that, and it's interesting because they would use that, again, to pass the time. Uh, they would use that to comfort the sheep. You know, if, if the sheep, or it's kind of like me. I, I'm one of those, uh, some people are like this, I'm like this. Um, I, I'm a music person, okay? Um, music always has to be going for me. Um, if I'm working on church stuff, you'll be happy to know I'm listening to, um, like, worship music. If I'm on a shop, it, man, it's 70s, 80s stuff. It's the classics. I mean, it's, it's, 
you know, and, and I just want to, I want you to know that because if you ever come up here sometimes late at night and I'm up here working and building stuff or fixing stuff or stuff like that, I mean, it's, it's loud, okay? Uh, but I mean, that's my thing, you know, I, I have to have music going in the background, it just kind of, it's nice, nice background noise for me, and, uh, and, and, and so for the shepherd, that's what he would do, he would, you know, I mean, he didn't have, he didn't have tunes, he had to make his own. And if I had to do that, it would be really bad. So that's, that's the idea uh, behind it. And then his primary job was, was feeding and, and taking care of, of the sheep. So he would have to lead them to pasture. And well, what happened is there were certain areas he'd take them into a, for a while. And then at night, of course, he'd try to, he, so he knew where the sheep pens were to be able to run them in at night. He knew where the water was. Uh, he, would, uh, he would have to find still water. That's Psalm, Psalm 23, lead me behind sign still water because... Uh, sheep got really nervous around run, running water, and there was also a danger to them. So uh, they needed something that was clean, but yet it was, it was still, it wasn't turbulent for them. Uh, and he would just lead them from pasture to pasture to pasture. And that's what the, that's what the shepherd did. Okay? Now, when we get to the New Testament, um, there's this really interesting, and I don't know what I'm going to call it, I guess shepherd motif, if you will, the shepherd theme that starts in Matthew and goes all the way to Revelation over and over again. Um, you see, the first introduction you see is in Luke, which, you know, as we get to the Christmas story, we'll talk about this. But uh, just think about this for a minute. If you're God, and the greatest thing in the world has just happened, you have now come to earth, and you have come to earth in the form of a man, and you want to announce that to the world, how do you do it? Because what God decides to do is he decides that the best way to give this to the world is to tell shepherds. So in Luke chapter 2, you see a story of the shepherds who are biding in their field, doing their thing. And it's interesting because at that time of year, in, in that area of the, of the world, um, a lot of people believe they were taking care of what we call Pascal lambs. Those were lambs that were going to be used at Passover. Um, and they were separate and set apart and, and, and had to meet a whole bunch of requirements. But, you know, these shepherds are just doing their thing. And all of a sudden, the heavens opened up and angels and everybody's singing and saying, you know, and, and the shepherds are like, we got to go check this out. And they come on the scene and they see this baby and, and, and Jesus, God, and Mary and Joseph and and the, the text says then that they go and they go into the, the towns and start telling people and all of a sudden everybody then knows. It's interesting to me that, that, that God chose shepherds. And, and, and if you really want a cool irony is the shepherds, and again, this is a stretch because we don't know for sure, Bible doesn't say, but if they were taking care of Pascal lambs, lambs for the Passover, Jesus Christ is now going to be the ultimate lamb of God. In fact, John, when he introduces him, is going to say, behold the lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. Um, and then when Jesus comes on the scene, he tells this story about the 99 sheep that are lost. And we're going to look at this morning, John 10, where he talks about, I'm the good shepherd. And then you're going to see then at the end of the life of Christ, this idea that he is sacrificed during Passover time so there's this idea of him being the Passover lamb to take away the sin of the world. And then 
when you get a little farther into the New Testament, you're going to see that the idea of, of, of God's church and God's people and shepherds taking care and, and watching over them. And then when you get to Revelation, you're going to see the Lamb of glory. And so, so you see this, this shepherd-lamb theme just running everywhere through it. And our focus this morning is John chapter 10. Last week we talked about this, and we talked about the first part of John 10. Jesus had, had healed a blind man. He had then done, talked about the fact that he is the door, literally the door to the sheep gate. And then he comes into this, and notice how many times he says this, because it's, it's kind of eye-opening. He says, I am, boom, stop, that got their attention. He just said, I am the door, and now he comes back and he goes, I am the good shepherd. And he's going to describe for us now the shepherd. He said, the good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. The hired man is not the shepherd and does not own the sheep. So when he sees the wolf coming, he abandons the sheep and runs away. The wolf then attacks the flock and scatters it. The man runs away because he's a hired hand, and he cares nothing for the sheep. So then he continues on. I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep, and my sheep know me. Just as a father knows me, and I know the father, I lay down my life for the sheep. I have other sheep that are not of this sheep pen. I must bring them also. They too will listen to my voice, and there should be one flock and one shepherd. I think this is the Jew-Gentile thing happening here that he's talking about. It's a little big of a stretch for them at this point. Then he goes on to say this, the reason my father loves me is that I lay down my life only to take it up again. No one takes it from me. This is important. I don't know if you understand this about the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. But Jesus willingly goes to the cross. God gave him the ability at any time to say, as God, he could have said, no, not going to do it. Too much. Uh, I'm out. Uh, You know, I've had enough of this earth thing. I'm going back to the heaven thing. But, notice what he says, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down and authority to take it up again. This command I received from my father. Notice the response. The Jews who heard these words were again divided. Many of them say he is demon-possessed and raving mad. Why listen to him? Why? Because, I mean, listen, you start talking about the Father gave you the ability to take your life and you're giving your life for the sheep and you're linking yourself to be more important than Moses and Israel and stuff like that, you're going to cause some problems. But others said, these are not the sayings of a man possessed by a demon. Can a demon open the eyes of the blind? So again, Jesus divides the group because there are some who said yes and there are some who said no. Um, we want to focus this morning on this idea of I'm the good shepherd and, and what that means and the implications for us as we, uh, we talk about it. Again, we, we're not in a culture where for us, uh, sheep, I mean, some of you do sheep, you know, but, okay, let's be honest. It ain't like it was back then, okay? Now, I've seen your sheep at the fair, okay? 
that, that ain't what it was like back then, okay? I've seen, and I don't know, I've seen show sheep. There you go. That's a tough one to say. I get that, okay? Um, but there's some parallels to all of this, okay? So for those of you, we have a lot of people in here who are animal people. We have some people who are not. Uh, we have some people who are obsessed dog and cat people, and we have some people who are not. Um, so I want to deal with the obsessed ones. Um, those are people I want to talk to this morning, because I think you, have the, you can relate to this the best, okay? Uh, he, t- he gives some characteristics of the good shepherd. And one of the things that he says is, the shepherd loves his sheep. I mean... Those of you who are obsessed animal people, don't lie to us and tell us you do not love your human, quote-unquote, pet, okay? Because you treat it like a human being, okay? I mean, I remember, right, you know, we, we, we had a dog, and, and I remember my parents were not thrilled about having an indoor dog, and then Cindy and I left, and my mom and dad were stuck in it, and I came home one time to visit um, I was in college or something, and my mom is making the dog a meal on the stove. And I'm like, well, he didn't like the other stuff. It's a dog, Mom, it's a dog. Well, you don't understand, you know. I, okay, and, and, and you guys know what I'm talking about. You know these people, and some of you are these people, all right? But here's right, you love that animal, and you know what? And as crazy as it may be to other people, there are some things that you will do for that animal that just plain old don't make sense. You will spend crazy amounts of money. You will go to all kinds of extremes to take care of that animal. Why? Because you love it. Listen, when God says, I'm the good shepherd, you need to know this. It's because he loves you. And he loves you to a crazy extent. Enough that he was willing to go to a cross for you. And you need to understand that one of the things that Satan will try to do in your life is always get you to question the love of God for you. Well, if God loved you, why did he let that happen? If God loved you, how come that? If God loves you, and Satan will constantly throw that at you. Can I challenge you with this? As long as you're an American... It's a stretch to question the love of God for you. Um, because we have it really, really well. We treat our animals. My animal eats better than a good portion of this world. Um, my animal has a nicer living conditions. And I have an outside dog. Okay? My chickens have a Taj Mahal. Okay? Okay. I mean, it's crazy. It's crazy. And yet, and, and I'm not saying feel bad for it. For whatever reason, God put us here. God decided to bless us that way. But please don't gripe and complain about the fact that God doesn't love you. Because things are difficult. Because the reality of it is this. As Americans, we really, really have a stretch trying to understand what difficult really is. And God has loved us so much. And do much is given, much is required. He requires more. But my, my challenge to you is, he says, one of the things that he says about the sheep is he says, you know, I know my sheep. I, I, I love them. 
I'll do anything. I'm willing to, I'm willing to give my life for them. The hired man, Satan, he won't do that. He doesn't care about you. All he wants to do is destroy you. So he doesn't care about that. But I genuinely love you. Second thing is he protects them. Um, you know what? This is coyote time. You know, anytime you start getting the crops coming out of the field, all the critters don't know what to do. And so in our house, in our area, we're having coyotes that are going nuts now. Okay? Uh, my dog is an outside dog. I bring my dog in every night. He sleeps in the garage. He has a heated kennel in the garage. All of, he has towels and blankets and pillows and everything else. He's so lazy at this point that he lays in the kennel and just barks when the UPS guy comes because he doesn't want to get up. Um, so, you know, it's, it, it, so, so, you know, Lulu's her. Yeah, Lulu's got it, yeah. I, you know, I get all confused. Um, so Lulu's got it made. I mean, she really does. And, and she's a great dog. And, and um, as, as, as we have Lulu, one of the things is this time of year, I, I, I protect her. I bring her in a little earlier. So as soon as it starts to get dark, I bring her inside in the, kennel, in the garage area. Um, and, and I let her out a little bit later now. I wait till the sun comes up. Uh, just because it doesn't mean that the coyotes aren't there. But, you know, I'm increasing the odds a little bit. So, you know, for me, why I protect her. You know, if I see something going wrong with her, we, get her, we take her to the vet. Um, I do what I can to, to protect her. My chickens, I mean, well, my chickens, they got, a, they got like stuff on the side so that, that they can't get out. I put, a, I put a, a, a trellis thing over the top so even little, what are the, hawks or whatever else flying around can't soup down and get them. Uh, then I went and buried like two feet of wire. I came up with this great idea I saw on the internet. I took and, and all the way around the whole pen, I buried two feet of wire on the ground so that anything that tries to dig underneath hits wire. It's got to go out two feet before it can get underneath it, and by then it's going to give up. You know? And why? I, I protect them. Because, you know, it's important that Gene's chickens are taken care of. Um, you don't know that story. Um, let's just say I got myself in trouble when I get home today. But anyway, um, our big debate is, are they her chickens or my chickens? Because uh, now we can't remember who wanted the chickens. Did I want them for Claire or did she want them for the eggs? So I'm saying it's all her fault. But anyway, I mean, they're all protected. Why? I don't want anything to get them. Um, you know, I protect my dog. I protect my animal. That's why you guys put up fence. That's why you take care of your animals like you do. Why? Because you want them to be safe and protected. So let me ask you a question. Do you think God cares less for you than you do your animals? So why do we question that sometimes? Because you see, right now, my dog could look at me every night and say, you don't love me. I want to stay out later. She doesn't understand that what I'm doing is really protecting her. It looks like I'm punishing her. She doesn't get that. Because she wants to sit out in the front yard and wait for some rabbit that if she would wake up early enough, the rabbit's in the backyard. I see it every morning. 
You know, you want to go get the rabbit? Get up earlier and go to the backyard. But, so, but it's the idea of I'm protecting her. But yet it would look to her like I'm punishing her. I don't like her. I'm doing something mean to her. And I wonder how many times when God does something to protect us and doesn't let us go the direction that we want or the route that we want or the, the, the choice that we think we had to make. I wonder how many times we look at it and go, God doesn't love me. God's upset with me. When the reality of it is God knows the future and he's protecting us. And I wonder sometimes, because he says, I'm the good shepherd. I, I protect my flock. The, 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 the hired man doesn't care. Not like I do. And he talks about this idea that, that he, he loves us, that he's, he's, he's all in when it comes to us. That he protects us. And then he talks about the idea that he knows us. I, I, I don't know if you can comprehend this because I struggle with it. But there's some very interesting teachings in Scripture when it comes to God knowing us. The fact that before you were even born, you know, we had a lot of babies. And so, you know, you know we're, you know, we're kind of, the whole birth process is amazing to all of us. To, to, to watch this thing play out. And to realize that before any of these people even thought about having children... God had already designed, put together, created, and put the package all th- in the way that it's, it was already made in the mind of God. When you start to look at Scripture, God says, you need to understand the hairs of your head are numbered. I think that's a very interesting passage. It doesn't say counted. There's a difference between counting and numbering. Counting means I've got 5,000 hairs. I think, I'm, I think I'm, since I have started here, I have fewer, and I've had, I blame Laura Wrighton, who is, does my hair, my barber. I told her, I said, before I started coming to you, I had a thick, full head of hair, and now I don't, and I'm, I think it's your fault. Um, <laughs> and she keeps assuming me, no, your, your, your forehead just keeps rolling back. Um, <laughs> So, but, but I mean, it's one of these things where I did, I don't, it wasn't like I have 6,000 and now I have 5,500. It's like, no, I lost 4,332 yesterday, that number. And tomorrow I'm going to lose, you know, 3,174 number. God, no. You drive down the road and you hit one of these little birds. God, no. That mouse that you killed, God knows. And you may not care about it, but God does. God takes care of birds that you and I, you know, we think we're doing something to feed them. If we don't feed them, God will. And yet, when God, and I say it amazes me, and yet God knows everything that you and I are going through. He knows what struggles you have. He knows what you're going through. It's not taking him by surprise. There's nothing that's going to happen to you this week. The God in heaven is going to sit up there and go, whoa, didn't see that one coming. And he knows and he's prepared and he's guided and he is there to help and comfort and help you through it. Why? Because he knows his sheep. 
That's interesting. It says that he called that that they follow him. It's an interesting, a whole interesting concept because what would happen is in the, we talked last week about the sheep gate and how sometimes what I didn't talk about is sometimes you'd have two or three flocks in there. Because, you know, it was an open area. It was kind of a public area. So everybody would, would run their sheep in and the shepherds would lay there at the door. And then in the morning, the shepherd would get up and he would say, okay, let's go. And the only sheep that would come out of the pen are his. Because they follow him. They know him. You come over and try to get Lulu to do something. She ain't going to listen to you unless you got food. Then she'll do whatever you want. But I mean, the bottom line is, but I come in and I go, you know, Lulu, let's go, come on, at night. She knows. She'll come. She'll follow. Because she's my dog. You know, the chickens aren't so bright. But I mean, the dog has got it down. And here's the thing. Jesus says, look, I know my sheep. Please don't sit here this morning and think God doesn't know what you're going through. If you're his sheep, he does. And he cares. He cares more about you than you think he cares. And he loves you more than you love anything in your life. And he will do anything to protect you because he's a good shepherd. And sometimes we forget that. And it's ironic to me that often when difficulties come in our lives, what does Satan do? He tries to get us to question the love of God and the goodness of God. Why? Because Satan knows the last thing he wants you to believe is that God loves you and has good for you. For his glory, he's got it all figured out. You and I don't, and we have to trust him. Just like my dog's got to learn to trust me this time of year. Yeah, you're going to come in early. Yeah, you're going to go out a little bit later. Because I want to have you as my dog. Because I know you like to chase things. And I know that the strategy with a coyote is they get one coyote and the dog goes chasing them and they chase them into a pack and then the pack attacks the dog. So in order to keep my dog safer, I'm going to bring her in a little earlier and let her out a little later. Why? I want to protect her. I love her. I care about her. No different with God and you. So if you're struggling this morning, questioning maybe God's goodness or God's love or why God's allowing this or how come God didn't do it this way or God should have taken care follow the shepherd. Because he is a good shepherd. So two questions. First question, kind of tied to last week. Is he your shepherd? Is he your shepherd? See, if he's my shepherd, it means I'm following his voice. It means I'm doing what he wants me to do. It means I put my faith and trust in him. It means I've come through him as the door, him as the bread of life, him as the light of the world. My faith and trust is in him and him alone. That's who my shepherd is. So when God brings and allows difficult things into my life, I trust him that he knows what's best. Why? Because he's my shepherd. The second thing is this. 
If he is your shepherd this morning, you've put your faith and trust in Christ. You are trusting God and God alone. Christ and Christ alone. And here's my question for you. Are you following? Are you doing what he wants you to do? You go, well, you know, I mean, I know he wants me to do this, but you don't understand how... Time out. You follow the shepherd, you don't. My dog at night listens to me, or she doesn't. There's a couple nights ago, I couldn't find her. Yeah, Lulu, 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 Lulu. She's out running around somewhere. So I thought, well, I got to teach her. So I closed the door so she couldn't get in the kennel. Then all of a sudden, she's barking that she wants in. And I let her bark a little bit because I want her to learn. You know what? When I call, you come. Maybe that's what God's having to do to you right now. I don't know. Learn to come, learn to follow the shepherd. Because ultimately, he is the good shepherd. And what he wants is best for him and for you. So I end this morning with this idea. As you go throughout the week, as you take care of your critters, think about it this way. Jesus is the good shepherd. Everyone knew what it meant to have a shepherd that watched out and cared for the sheep. Make sure that Christ is your shepherd. Follow him with all your heart. Never allow Satan to question his love or his care or his goodness for you. Because he is the good shepherd. Let's pray. Lord, help us. Lord, it is so easy sometimes to get so focused on us. Lord, to get so focused on a life of comfort, of convenience, of ease. The Lord, that we forget that sometimes, Lord, you bring difficult things in our lives to protect us. Sometimes, Lord, you have to uh, get our attention. Sometimes, Lord, you allow things that we don't see as beneficial to us, but in the end, Lord, are for our safety and our protection. So, Lord, help us to trust. Lord, for those who may not have you as their shepherd, may they put their faith and trust in you. Lord, for those who do have you as their shepherd, Lord, may we follow you this week as we struggle with whether we do things our way or your way, will you help us to follow your way? And Lord, may people who see us see you in us. These things we ask in your name. Amen. Let's